Welcome to How to Hochschule, our audio guide about tackling life and work at Rheinwall, University of Applied Sciences, one of the most international universities in Germany. So grab a cup of hot KKD, put on your comfiest headphones and join us as we explore the world of Hochschule Rheinwall. How does innovation sound like? If you were to wander the halls of Hochschule Rheinwall, that sound might just be the hum and buzz of the Fab Lab. A place where ideas come to life and creativity knows no bounds. Could you explain what the Fab Lab is for people who don't know what that even means? <laughs> I mean lab, the most people probably know what the lab is, but what is special about the Fab Lab? So the Fab Lab is like no, fabrication. fabrication laboratory. Thank you. So Fab Lab is fabrication laboratory. And it's basically a open space where um, you can build uh, your own prototypes, your own um, projects. And um, it's usually related to a university. Um, but as I said, uh, it's also, I think, usually also accessible to the public. So if you want to fulfill a project, if you want to build on something, then you can uh, come there and uh, use the machines. Today, we're diving deep into the heart of innovation with two individuals who have not only experienced this firsthand, but also have transformed their inspirations into tangible solutions. I'm Daniela Venegas. I am originally from Colombia. I work in the medical industry and I am part of Art Lab team. I'm uh, Philip Voida. I'm 30 years old and I'm working as a UI UX developer in the automotive, but I'm also CEO of the Art Club team. So how was your first experience in Kaplimford? What was your, your first day? Maybe I should start because you arrived a bit later. Yeah. Um, my first day in Camp Lindford was actually quite nice. I looked up two flats or like two shared apartments and I had a good conversation with the landlord. He's the same age and I loved like the location and it was super close to the university. It was just like crossing the street and it was like all quite small to say, but neat and new. So it was very exciting and I was impressed that also this location on Camp Lindford had a fab lab which was like for me new because I thought, okay, just like your big campuses and um, has like a fab lab. Yeah, how about you? First time in Germany? First time in Germany, almost first time in Europe because I had been only like in Turkey before, so it's not really Europe. I didn't know anything before because I set up my accommodation and everything from Colombia. So everything I had was like Google Street, some pictures and a lot of expectations. So when I arrived, I was just very surprised to how small the town <laughs> is it or the city, sorry. <laughs> But it was just like everything was new and interesting. Can you explain how did you came up with the art bluff? Can I? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, so I think this is my favorite part to tell. 
And I like to go back to, I don't know, anywhere 15 years ago or so, when my mom got diagnosed from rheumatoid arthritis. So she had a lot of pain in her hand all the time. And I was little and I used to give her hand massages all the time, just as a nice gesture from the daughter to mother. And she was always telling me that was really relieving uh, her from the pain. And many years after 2010, I started my industrial design bachelor's degree. And I remember we visited the university together. I got the introduction to the bachelor's. And then she told me, yeah, now you can design something that provides me a massage as nice as you do it. And then you will become rich <laughs> if you do it. I ignore her for how many years? Nine. Nine years. <laughs> I remember her request, but I really never put it into execution until the day I arrived, like the next day that I arrived to come Linford and a colleague was catching me up. Okay, and we have this class. And for this class, we need to create something that solves or that helps with a human need. Lesson number one, seeing problems and trying to find solutions. Innovation isn't just about creating something new. It's about identifying challenges and seeking solutions. Okay, my name is Gerd Hosip. I'm head of the Center for Research, Innovation and Transfer, Zentrum für Forschung, Innovation und Transfer, ZFIND for short. As we delve deeper into the essence of innovation, our next segment brings to the forefront a unique perspective. Uh, we are doing lots of different things, mostly in the kind of research management, meaning we help people in the university with the research grants, getting funding, stuff like that, but also in knowledge transfer. So starting from startups, but also, for example, patents, intellectual property rights. In addition, the huge Transregent project where we started just a few months ago, our research information system, research data management, all these different topics, also the Deutschland Stipendium is associated with ZFIT. We are organizing that. The alumni are organized by a colleague and the yeah, so-called career service. So it's more or less a database where we offer jobs from local and international, basically in industry offering jobs for students. Lots of different things that are all associated with the ZFIT The projects you're involved with, they are always in a startup period, right? When I came here, basically, we had the first funded project, which was just funded. It was an uh, Interact-funded project. It was about regional products, regional food products, um, marketing of regional products and stuff like that. So Wirtschaftsförderung, Kreis Kleve, Wasserburg, Rindern, and University Rheinwald. And I had no background in that, and I didn't know much about that. But it, as it was a first funded project, we learned not also the, the research uh, background, but also the administrative background, how to deal with a funded project. How about the third-party funds? How do we deal with that as a university 
where do we get the funding, how do we have interact with uh, partners outside, stuff like that. And no structures for that had been established at that time. And so it was learning by doing. And we from that we, we learned we need a, a process, we need structures to deal with research funding, also the, the funding agencies, the special conditions they have and special conditions that apply for different funding agencies. And that was something we learned, not also in the ZFIT, but also in the administrative departments, in the financial department, also in the legal department for cooperation agreements, stuff like that. And from that, we professionalized, we as a university, all of us. And that was interesting and also necessary. And yeah, and we still do these yeah, let's say central projects. At that time, somebody asked us, hey, you fresh new university, do you want to participate in this project? And we said, yeah, sure, of course, why not? Yeah. Today, I think we would not do that again yeah. because we've learned, we have grown, we have uh, certain things that we do in the central department as the ZFIT that we now give it to the faculties. What we still do is Having projects I mentioned in the beginning, research information system is something that we establish as many universities do it now and have to do that now to report numbers to ministries and stuff like that. And so this is a funded project to establish the system. Also research data management. How do we deal as a university with research data? How do scientists deal with that? This is also a project that is funded. So it's more like a, uh, let's say, more a strategic project to establish processes and knowledge in the university where we as a university, our researchers, can have a profit from in the long run. The same is true for the Start Local project where we say, okay, we want to supports entrepreneurship, startups, entrepreneurship knowledge in the university. So we say, okay, we go ahead with this project and roll it out into the university. And now we do it with a Tantrian project in a similar manner. So we do not do research projects. We do projects that help the university to grow, to establish structures, to also set a certain focus, for example, in the area of sustainability with Transregent and stuff like that. The question is regarding the topic of innovation. Sometimes people really don't understand what the university is in general, right? They think it's go there, you have a degree and that's it. But there's more things happening here at the same time, like projects you just mentioned. Why is it so hard to explain that? Not to the student community, of course, but to the whole society that's surrounding Hochschule Rheinwald. I don't know. When we look at ourselves as university, we have to bring more into the minds of the people that we can do research and bring innovation to them. Yeah? We are a university of applied sciences. We are not uh, sitting in our labs and doing research and telling nobody. We're doing applied research And we're looking for questions that come from industry, from society, and we offer help. This can be a funded project, can be a contract research, but this can also be, and this is mostly 
easier in smaller projects together with students with thesis projects, with internships and stuff like that. And this can be very rewarding for both sides. And this is what we try to promote when I talk to people in the faculties, I see that there is a lot going on and uh, a lot with different uh, corporation partners from all over the region, from German-wide, Europe-wide. Uh, and uh, this is a huge chance, not only for the region, uh, but also for our students because they learn an applied project, say, not only in a theoretical background, but they can see, okay, this is a real problem from company next door, and they can't find a solution to their problem X, Y, Z, whatever. And we can help them. And this is a cooperation on both sides, where both sides profit. On the other hand, also for the external partners, you need to be open for this kind of cooperation. You need to say, okay, I open my door. And not only that, I'm willing to spend time and invest in a kind of way to put some kind of resource into this cooperation. I cannot just say, okay, dear student, come here, now work. You have to invest time. You have to invest into the idea that you give or the, the question, or the research question that you give to the student. And if both sides are able to invest, then it's usually a very fruitful cooperation. And we have great examples. And I talk to professors and they, oh, I did a project here with this company with, and we had a bachelor thesis. It was really great. And that is really something um, where you see, okay, yeah, it's rewarding. And so, yeah, this is what we're here for. And this is very good. What I always find interesting, not everyone, of course, but you talk with people, a lot of people come from this region who work here and they also have a cultural connection, but then there's a mix of other people coming here. And that's also like a good soil, I would say, for an innovative environment. It depends, of course, always on the people. Nothing is perfect, but It's a good soil, right? I see more and more that I meet people who are in a job here in the region. Saying, I studied at the university in that study course and I finished. And after that, I went to this company and now I'm back here and I, I work here. And this is also interesting. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, and these are the alumni from our university uh, that work in the region and work in the companies. And this is why the, the university was founded, yeah? because there was a structural change in the regions in Camp Lentford, in Clever, that okay, we want to do something for the region. We want to bring innovations in, uh, into the region. And this works best by heads come back to the region and work in the region. And we have lots of companies who start with practical training um, for the students and do the bachelor thesis. And then these people stay there with, uh, with a new contract and work for years and develop further. Yeah. And with that, bring knowledge from university, from the study courses, from what all, all the things they learned, bring to the companies. And this is also kind of innovation, if you want. Yeah. yeah. So if you look back from until you started to now, what is, in your opinion, like the main takeaway? What you learned working here, working in this environment? Hmm. Yeah, basically, when the university started, it was like a small startup. Yeah. And yeah. they were growing. And mm -hmm. then after a few years, okay, we did 
some good things. We did some things that was, ah, it was a mistake at that time. Yeah, not it was a mistake now. At that time, it was the right decision. But we have to adapt and say, okay, we have to drop this and do that instead. And this is how, yeah, a small startup and later on a big uh, company is also run. You need to innovate. You have to adapt to changes, external changes, internal changes. And yeah, this is basically also innovation. You have to adapt to a market and find your place on the market. And this is also what you do when you, as a company, innovate. Uh, a few years ago, nobody used smartphones and now nobody can live without smartphones. And it's, what is the market? Can you create a market or can you adapt to a changing market? And this is also something that you do in research, that you do it with startups and in transferring knowledge. And we try to help as a University of Applied Sciences to adapt. Uh, we help companies and hopefully also society to adapt to challenges that are that they are facing and now with climate change energy war in ukraine and stuff like that there are so many challenges where society where economy needs solutions to adapt to these problems and this is what we try also to address in the transient project where we try to help to transform the region. Therefore, what we do now in research and also knowledge transfer is basically seeing challenges, seeing problems and trying to find solutions. And with the solutions, do the next step. Lesson number two, step by step. Innovation is often a journey taken one step at a time. As we continue our exploration into the world of innovation at Hochschule Rheinwald, our next segment offers a deep dive into the meticulous process of turning an idea into reality. So uh, both of you took the master's course, right? Yes, usability engineering. Yeah. We welcome back Daniela and Philip, who will share their methodical approach to design and the evolution of their invention art glove, as we uncover the stages, challenges and triumphs of their innovative journey. Like the structure, how it was in Kablinfurt, the structure with the Fab Lab, and was the course because of this a little bit different? Were you more open and free to explore, or was it the same thing with your bachelor studies? For me, it was somehow similar to my bachelor's, because also in my home university, we used to have this Fab Lab. It was not called like that, but was called more like a building space. And we also have the different areas for glass, for metal, for wood, and different materials. And every semester we were introduced to a material and we needed to have a project with this material in order to get used to different prototyping tools and machines. Yeah, I was really happy to have this space. <laughs> it felt a bit like home. Yeah, like for me, it was rather new, I would say. I also started on the University of Applied Sciences in, in Munich. But like the practical or the action with like um, real problems or like real practical issues was in a way different. So for me, it was rather new to use the Fab Lab. Was it clear that it will be a glove in the beginning? No, this is part then of the whole design process. So we are 
encourage and let's say the base of our masters was to use a human-centered design approach to came up with a solution. So you start from the need. So I had the need and I had an idea of what it could be a solution, but not the, the way of transporting this solution to the need. I don't know if that's clear. So let's say that the glove is something that came out of digging into the user needs, the user requirements, what's in the market already, what is not working, what it is working. And from there, you build up your requirements. And with these requirements, then you start building up a solution that it's iterating all the time until it becomes to, to the glove in this case. What time frame was from the idea to, I would say, the first prototype? Well, it was like one semester. Right. A bit shorter, actually, because we have to present it and maybe also document it, uh, I think. But it was like almost uh, one full semester. Uh, it, it flew actually uh, by very fast because in my case, I also had an idea. We were, of course, facing some problems and also other courses we had, of course. So the, the time flew by very fast, but I would say it was a bit less than uh, one semester. Yeah, at that point, we, each one of us, have individual projects. It took the whole semester to develop a prototype because the prototype is the very end thing you do after going through the whole process. The building up of the prototype doesn't take too long. What it takes longer is to come up with the solution of what are we going to prototype, actually. Yeah, to get like all these information, user needs. And actually at the end, you also uh, tested. So like we also had to do some testing, which is like always part of the human-centered design approach to test your prototype and improve with this feedback your product. So how many projects were in, in the program? So like each student had like his own project or like his own idea to work on. And we were like in the first semester around 25 students. Oh, I don't know, no, no. something like this. So around 20 projects, that's quite a lot. When did you came up with the decision? Because I guess a lot of other students finished the project and that was probably it, right? They didn't move on with it. When did you make the decision, okay, that may be something that's interesting to further develop? Everything developed pretty organic, I would say. We all were presenting our findings and our final prototype and project The teacher, Karsten Neve, he told us there is this program, it's called the Best Idea Cup. It was organized by the Hochschule Rheinwald. You have very good ideas. I think you should present your ideas. So I think he gave like a general statement to, to most of us. And I looked up, check what was <laughs> requested and went for it, I think. Three or four more projects also applied uh, for this Best Idea Cup contest. At that point, let's say we had not officially uh, become a team. And then in the Best Idea Cup, I don't know how many applications there were at that point, but only... Uh, I think around 100. Applications, but only 11 or 10 projects were pre-selected. And then there were like three final winners. And our club or the project was into these three winners. And then there was like a money prize and there was also like a coaching sessions for as, as a prize. And our coach was Adriana Bobisova. And in the first session, she told us 
of many different options that we could have for moving ahead. She recommended us that we should do this as a team. She had already seen that Philip was uh, supporting me during the whole contest. So she was like, okay, you are making a good team. You should maybe apply together to it. And I, yeah, I proposed to Philip if he wanted to yeah, work on it, if he believed it on it. And then we applied to the Gondrostipendium and we got it. <laughs> So let's say yeah, it was kind of kind of like very organic, little steps, lot of work in between. Yeah, but that, that also made you believe in it and to continue with it. Like yeah. you could also have said like, oh no, that's it after winning the contest. Yeah, it was quite overwhelming. I was crying <laughs> uh, when the idea was called on stage in this very first Best Idea Cup and it was called and then... I was just thinking on my mom and how happy I felt to finally, let's say, return something to her. And so many people were asking and impressed and giving their cards and giving feedback and giving input. It was so overwhelming in a good way that I was like, wow, this is real. This is nice. And this can make a change not only to my mom, but to seven million people or more. 77 <laughs> yeah. million people, sorry. Yeah. And that was like the starting point to say, okay, let's try to ma make this into a company with the Gründerstipendium. We got the scholarship and this scholarship had the requirement that within six months we needed to officially register the project Com as a company. So let's say that was a motivation to to do it. You never had any doubts until this point that maybe because you won the best idea cup. But I think to, to maybe to further explain this point, can you explain its audio? It's probably quite hard. What the product actually is and what what it does. The goal is clear, but can you ex explain how it looks like and how it works more or less? Is that possible? Yeah, I think we have talked about the need, the idea, but actually yeah. not the solutions. Yeah. Uh, the final, or not the final, because it's always improving, but what we uh, developed so far is a self-massaging glove. I think maybe Philip can explain uh, a little bit more in detail. Yeah, it's a massaging glove, what Daniela said, which is uh, fingerless and also portable. Users can enjoy a massage while they're like anywhere and anytime. And it also actively massages the joints of the hand. So for each joint um, of the hand, uh, also of the fingers, we have like uh, individually like a compression technology, which compresses these joints and like also on the muscles and to give it like a, a relief. And also we have another system to stimulate the nerves of the hand. Basically, it's yeah a portable massaging glove for any time, anywhere, which is fingerless. The vision is to not basically distract you from your daily tasks and and give you like a relieving massage while doing. And also, it's like also a washable glove. So you can also wash it and uh, keep it hygiened. That's really impressive. But there, I guess there were a lot of challenges, right? Just design-wise and technical-wise that you have had or still trying to solve. I don't know how, how far you are right now, but... Yeah, actually, we are right now in the sixth iteration. So we built up uh, six prototypes and we are, we are basically building up the sixth prototype already. 
we uh, started small, just like with the nerve stimulating. Then we uh, tried out, okay, how can the, the massage feeling be more en enhanced or like more intensive? So we came up with this compression system. Then we tried to combine both together. Then we tried to combine both in one glove. So it's like also portable. And what was the biggest challenge right now was like the compression system to make it work, to make it airtight and also yeah, usable for the user, not too big. And that was right now or like from the for the last one, for the sixth one, for the sixth prototype, the, the biggest challenge actually. This draws back to this human centered design process. So it's what I tell you about these requirements. So When we were talking to people, we were asking them, okay, what is your idea? Or oh, if you have three magic wishes, what it will be? Or why you don't use this product? Or why do you use this one instead? So there we started what users want. Okay, they want a product that they can use when they are not at home. So it has to be portable. Or they want a product that they don't need to put your hand over and over again because it gets sweaty. Okay, we can make it washable. That they don't need to be attached to a single place. Okay, we need that this has batteries. According to what people were telling us in different ways, so there are different usability methods to find out what actually people wants and needs, we, we came up with these characteristics that our product needed to have to, let's say, meet the, the user expectations and requirements. Okay, when you won the contest, so go back <laughs> in, in the timeline, then it was clear for you, okay, we have to be a company in the next six months, was it, or half a year? Yeah, by winning the Gründerstipendium Nordrhein-Westfalen, then basically, yeah, we had this requirement to establish a company within six months in order to keep the, the scholarship running because the scholarship was for one year. And um, then basically, I think it, it made like the switch to, okay, let's try it and let's keep going. And we always have this uh, mindset, just a step by step. We are not too much looking into the future, into the big picture, which might come up with the product. We just want to see how far we can go and to see, okay, how well, we can develop the, the product in order to fulfill the requirements and to also, yeah, basically, uh, I have to say, also to fulfill like their own expectations. And yeah. And you both studied at the same time, right? During this phase. So how was it? Did you have any time for anything else besides both projects? Or not really, probably, right? So I think the main strategy was that we managed to merge this project into our studies. So we use it as a use case for different tasks that we were having. So we also have a class. APA? Kai, yeah. Essig. Kai Essig is the, his name. Professor Sorry. Essig, yeah. Uh, where we also needed to work on a project and we needed to do the whole development. It was also from, yeah, like a, a full project from beginning to end. At the point we talked to him, uh, Philip didn't need to do that class because he had it homologated, actually. And he did it anyway, because I talked with the professor to see if we could use Arglove as a case of studies. And then he knew already about this project because of the contest we had won before. And he was like really motivated to help us and to incentivate us to keep working on it. 
So it was really nice because we improved our product. We did two more iterations during this course. And of course, we also got a great uh, result academically. Yeah, we got the credits. We could use it for the classes, as Daniela said. And we could also even write our math thesis about art love with the same professor, with Professor Essig. And together, both of us, it was a good um, way to improve the prototype, to continue with the method thesis. We actually built up two prototypes and tested it and validated it and improved it. So was luckily very good ways that we could integrate art love, like our own project into the study. And yeah, thanks again to all the professors who let us do do this so what was what happened after you graduated i think here was really important that mainly philip he wanted to keep going i think he was always looking for these new programs and new options to enroll the project so we got into other programs right so let's say th this is a, a race that is never ending accelerator programs yeah uh, yeah i think at this point uh, it's uh, really i would like to uh, make a, a note to philip that he has been after the studies of you say like the one who say okay let's keep working on it yeah like from my side i have had some internships before on big companies and i also after graduating from the university I had an internship uh, in the uh, automotive uh, industry and it was usability related. So it was like related to our study. I was so, I got so disappointed by this internship <laughs> and it makes, I was like always almost quitting the internship because I got so, it was not what I expected, let's say like this. It was a very big company. So like the processes They take for ages and it was like, yeah, just feeling that you are just a little part in a big company, in a big pool. And uh, this made me like really think, okay, we have a good idea. I'm passionate about it. I, I think this idea can succeed. So why not continuing and be your own boss, basically, to decide what you want to do or not and to have there a bit of flexibility but establish or to make something great was like the, the motivation. And so we continued. <laughs> I, I convinced Daniela to continue as well. <laughs> so your end goal is a consumer product, right? You don't want to have a product for the medical field, like in, I don't know, clinics. Your end goal is actually that I can buy it on the shelf in a supermarket. Or what is your goal with Artglove right now? Actually, the big vision is, yes, to have it like medical certified. However, there are different approaches. It will depend, actually, what the next test will show. There are like some, let's say, companies, they already approached us to make a cooperation. And yeah, if we do it on our own, probably it would be easier to have it as a wellness product. So for everybody available, so to, to get like some revenue already in a very early stage. We are also lucky to test um, Artglove with our master thesis, like the last prototype, in a hospital. So we really had like the first contact to a hospital, do it as a medical product to do like all the big hurdles for a medical product or a certified product. But it's that has to be also built up or figured out in the team. If I look back on, on the history so far of Artglove, 
there seems to be always like crossroads. How do you want to go next? What do you want to do next? Do you think that's something that will ever end? I think that's a very interesting question because it can motivate you, but it can also be discouraging because you know when you start, but you don't know where it ends. And it's all the time applying to a new project or looking for a new opportunity or thinking what is coming next or what if this doesn't work then what do we do the idea is good we believe on it but executing this idea is the real challenge so how how would you keep going and how you keep going in the right direction and when does it end if it does at all right because as philip just mentioned there are so many more ideas building up all the time and all the time you get new feedback new input not only for the product itself but from different programs or clinics or companies interested so it kind of be again overwhelming and i don't know how you do it philip to ground and let's say okay this is the next step now and focus on it and block everything else to be able to continue. <laughs> yeah, it's just like step by step. Lesson number three. The smaller, more simple things are the ones that can make a bigger impact. In the vast realm of innovation, it's often the subtle nuances, the seemingly insignificant details that leave the most profound impact. As we embark on our last lesson, we jump into the philosophy of things. And we want to shed light on the general concept of the entrepreneurial mindset. Okay, uh, so I'm Adriana. I'm uh, working at our university as a project coordinator in a Star Global project. With Adriana's unique perspective and experiences, she will guide us through the profound impact of innovation. I studied here at our university, the master program, Sustainable Development Management. And uh, while studying here, I found a job as a student assistant uh, here at the Center for Research, Innovation and Transfer. And somehow I stayed here. Uh, and now I have a full-time job uh, in a Start Glocker project. And uh, we are trying to support uh, students and also employees and alumni of the Rhineland University in their startup and entrepreneurship activities. When was the first time as a student you heard about Start Glocker? My first time hearing from Star Glocal was actually, I was not hearing from Star Glocal because Star Glocal even didn't exist since then. I used to work actually as a student. My student job was in the project called Innovations und Gründungsoffensive Niederrhein. It was basically a project for English-speaking people. And it was also a project which used to support startup and entrepreneurship activities at our university. But back then I was alone in the project and I did all those startup workshops, even startup coaching only by myself. And somehow the project went to an end. So it was finished, stopped, and there was an opportunity to apply for a grant for the funding program. And then we told ourselves what we decided together with Gert Holsip and other colleagues at the Center for Research, Innovation and Transfer that it would be nice to have another initiative at our university which would support startups and motivate students for entrepreneurship. And therefore, we wrote a grant application for Start Glocal back then with one another colleague from the university who was later on working in the project as well. And uh, yeah, we got the grant 
like the competition was really, really big. Almost all universities of applied sciences from all Germany. And at the end, also 142 universities got the grant, but we were one of few universities which got the grant alone. Other universities were, were applying like as a group of universities, so they have to split the grant. But we have also a privilege like of a pretty good budget, I would say. And also we can make a lot with this. Therefore, we are organizing a plenty of workshops, events. We are doing startup coachings. We have also a good manpower in the project. We used to be at the beginning like eight people in the project, not everybody full-time, but like eight people personal. Now we are like five scientific members or scientific staff members, so to say, and five student assistants. Uh, so it's also still pretty good manpower. And with this, you can make almost anything happen, I would say. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the story, how I got into the contact with Start Global. I was basically not only by myself, but it was like a teamwork, I would say, together with the colleagues from Center for Research, Innovation and Transfer. But I was the one who fine-tuned it with one of my colleagues. And then we just sent it and was hoping for the best. <laughs> so what is Start Local now? You talked a little bit about the history, but what it's like, what is like the main idea behind it? Uh, Start Local's vision is to establish a vital startup community at Rhinewald University. Actually, we have th three goals. First goal is to motivate uh, our students and employees for startup and entrepreneurship activities. So we basically want to show them that's that there is also another option, like next to corporate job or normal job in a company, you can maybe also think about self-employment or starting your own business. So this is our first goal. Our second goal is to support students, employees, and also alumni who already have ideas. So if you have a specific startup idea, business idea, you can come to us. Uh, to my teammates, and we help you to develop it further. So we support you uh, or during the whole process uh, from ideas through prototype until pitch, funding programs, and going to market. So basically on the whole entrepreneurial journey, so to say. And the third thing is uh, that uh, we try to establish a network which would support our startups at our university with the region. So together... Uh, for example, with local companies, for example, with Chamber of Commerce and Industry, regional, how it's called, Wirtschaftsförderung, Business Support Agency, or how to say in English, and uh, like regional stakeholders. And also later on in the time, if there are already some successful startups at the university to make like the transfer both ways, like not only winning original stakeholders for our startups, but maybe our startups giving also something to the region. Uh, back in our project application, we actually had a very big vision that Start Glocal wants to become the project for international students or international founders 
in Germany. So we want to be best practice uh, example with our university and start global for international student founders, because this is a big USP of our university. We are one of the most international universities in Germany. But I have to also say uh, that we are somehow a startup project itself. I approached from the beginning the whole project as a startup itself. Basically, we had some plan what things uh, we should do in the project. We knew, okay, we would uh, like to do this and that uh, workshop and event. We knew, okay, we have startup scouts who are doing startup coaching in faculties and this stuff. But each semester, like we reflected in a team, uh, in a feedback, maybe you know it, uh, in the startup world, it's called retrospective event, uh, where the whole team uh, was sitting together. Like actually we did it at the beginning on a monthly basis when we re reflected on all the stuff which uh, we have done. So we did also events uh, such a make an impact day or many of you probably know also Best Idea Cup, which we are doing like since ages, also before Start Local, it was already... And uh, these events were, for example, very successful. Uh, then we have also some workshops. As I told you, we had semester uh, during which we have like around 70 workshops. I'm doing the startup statistics. So it was really like very high number of workshops. But we realized, okay, this doesn't make sense to make such big amount on workshops, even if it were online because of Corona. But this is too much for students. So now we are like around six to seven workshops uh, during the semester. In winter semester is a bit more because we have their entrepreneurship week. But this is the stuff which you are like doing or learning by doing, so to say. Uh, really like a startup, you are like launching your product, you are iterating a bit, also asking students what they want. And we tried actually to implement, I would say, 99% of the feedback. And we didn't stop to learn or haven't stopped to learn <laughs> yet. It's really interesting that you have the same challenges as students that come to you with their ideas and projects. So maybe out of your perspective, but also for students, what is like the mindset you have to start your own company or to innovate something? I actually think uh, that innovative mindset and entrepreneurial mindset are very important for all people, not only for people who would like to start up uh, their company. Uh, we have sometimes people who are afraid to come to startup coaching because they think their ideas are not good enough. But if you have only an idea, then just come to us, talk with us, even if you don't have idea, even if you just want to talk, then come to us and we will see what will happen. Sometimes ideas are coming like when talking. But I think the best mindset or, or very good mindset is if uh, you are somehow creative or try to explore ideas. Uh, if you are like problem solving person, uh, that you like uh, try to look around yourself and uh, for example, okay, this is not working. We have a lot of students who, for example, see many things not working in Cleves. And we have many ideas uh, when somebody is coming to us, okay, this is not working, uh, let's make it better. And there is uh, a startup idea out of it. So also a little bit like, I would say, thinking out of the box. So just think narrow, don't judge yourself. 
be creative and also somehow flexible, okay? The things are not only dark in your life. Be somehow optimistic, trust yourself. I think this is the right attitude, and not only for entrepreneurs, but also for all students who would like also to work in corporates on all kinds of companies. You just need the right mindset, and that's it. So you don't even want to establish a startup. Yeah. Can you tell us more examples, like people who went through the program? Yes, so we have 3,000 people. I have to say we have seven startups. This doesn't sound as a big number. But first of all, I have to say uh, our target in the project, our goal, it's not basically our KPI, Key Performance Indicator number one. It's not a number of established startups. It's basically number of people who we made aware of the opportunity of entrepreneurship and startups. So more about our project is more about sensitizing the people for the topic. Uh, but anyhow, we had seven startups. These startups have been also partially established uh, by international students. And one of our first startups was actually Startup Art Glove. They were, even before Start Glocal, uh, starting their entrepreneurial journey, so to say. And I was there as a second supervisor. It was really an honor for me, like somehow to support the startup project. And they are still going further with that idea. That's how you can develop your idea, actually, which you had uh, only, so to say, in some study module into a startup. Yeah. And I think it's also sometimes like a misconception that from every year there will be very successful startups coming out of the program because that's not how it works. Even with the bigger universities, it doesn't work like this. Maybe I can give you a comparison. So even the university here in Essen doesn't have 10 startups per year. I think it's only like imagination because we watch a lot of American movies <laughs> and this, we are like a brainwashed somehow with the Silicon Valley stories. If you start startup initiatives, you will have 100 startups in a year, everybody successful and these things. We have somehow this American idol <laughs> in our heads, so to say, but it doesn't work like this. Actually, Start Global is uh, since 2020. Then we had two, two and a half years Corona and uh, all innovations take their time. So it's not like this is a big actually myth about innovation, that innovation is something what happens like a big crash uh, and that's it. It's a one big moment. Many people think this. It's not like that. It's not one big moment. It's actually a continuous process. It's like you develop something, you ask people how they like it, you got feedback, you implement it, then you ask another time and all this implementation actually takes a lot of time. If it's an innovative, really scientific-based idea, it takes a lot of time. Also, uh, for example, startup scholarships. We have also like a startup scholarship for scientific uh, staff or scientific members of universities. And these scholarships are for two, three years because you can't innovate in one month. It's not possible. You need team, you need expertise, you need resources, you need finance, just a bit big misconception also everybody is asking us like oh seven startups oh, what is seven startups like i know it's not 100 but also the seven are with international students 
And if you imagine international students, some of you already struggle like with studies or it's a big, big challenge already to adapt to new culture, to new study life. And next to studies to start a startup seven times at our university, this is a big deal. Really, this is a really big deal. So you have to see it from this perspective, actually. My role is the startup scout. In that project, we have different roles. The, the event manager, she is preparing a lot of events. She's in, inventing new formats and she tries to combine or, or couple the, the people who attend to the events and put them to our coaching sessions, that cross-selling thing. Continuing our story into the nuances of innovation, we're joined by Claudio Abel's Nava Luminary from Hochschule Rheinwald. Then we have the startup scouts. Those are people who are located at the faculties. They have their offices also close to the faculties and they are actively looking for innovation at the university. They are going into the lectures. They are talking to the, to the professors and tried to get the startup topic, that mindset into the teaching. Because not every um, program has entrepreneurship as a class or, or module. So, for instance, I didn't have that in, in, in my studies. That is why uh, those scouts and also me as a scout, I'm trying to go and talk to as many students as I can and see what they're doing. What are they are working on in their bachelor thesis or math thesis? What are they maybe doing in a project that they join or contribute? So we are trying to find the innovation and identify that and also motivate then the students maybe to stay a little longer after their degree because to actually build up and go from an idea to something that you can show someone like an investor or to a bank that needs a couple of months time. We want to look into the university, see and and find the innovation, the, the potential, not only at the labs or from our colleagues, but specifically our international students. They have really nice ideas and they have a different way of thinking when compared to us Germans maybe. And that is our aim. We want to help support our students and our colleagues at the university and help them building a business. How about the German students? Why is it an interesting project for them as well? Yeah, because there is the possibility to not start a job at a company after you're, you're, you're finished here, but to maybe start your own business or to do both at the same time. And that is why we also um, support freelancing activities. It is allowed to be a freelancing engineer, like I am right now, and working part-time at a company, university, or whatever you might call it. So the, that second option to start your own business is... I think nowadays important to understand and to learn and to teach someone all that is required to know for that step is what we actually do. So for students who are in interested in learning that second option, that is, I think, also for the German students interesting to understand. I think that has changed. Maybe 20, 30 years ago, you went to uh, the big company. And uh, right now, the time changed. The kind of modern 
students, they actually learned that they can do multiple things at the same time. They actually learn work online. They just need a computer. They log in somewhere and boom, right? So they can actually do uh, various things at the same time, working for different companies at the same time. And the companies also know that that new model, that new work model is there and it is not going anymore, right? It is there. That's the modern way of, of working. And I think learning how that works, what the tools are that they that the students need to understand. Also, the rules. We are in Germany. There is rules for everything. And building up companies, at least there is some rules, tax rules and the company kind of structure, how that looks like. If it's a, a GmbH or something else, right? There are some rules. But the way from the idea to the business model that you need for a successful company is always the same. It doesn't matter if it's a freelancing thing or if it's a, a big company or something else. This is always the same. That is where, where we are, where we want to support our students, but also our staff. But we learned that the staff members are not really, they are not, I don't want to say they are not keen on doing something else, but they have a lot to do. In, in, in their daily job. Yeah. So there is just no, no time for them to think about something else. Especially if you are working 40 hours a week. There is just no time. And then you have family, maybe small kids. It's just impossible. Can you tell me about the networking aspect and the learning aspect as well? Like how to profit from multicultural and intercultural project teams? Yeah, and also what is what is interesting to understand or just to know if you want to maybe have a company at some point here in NRW, You have to have access to a network from our university. And we do have that network. Of course we have. We are a university. Yes, we are smaller than the, the big ones. Sure. But we do have the contact to the industry, to the local companies. So that is why um, I would always recommend come and visit us and see how we can help you. We don't have money for you, but we can do everything else bringing you in contact with a person who might be a, a good match for you or just recommending you a it's just an event that, that we maybe are hosting in the next few couple of months or maybe we recommend you to to participate in the academy we have an academy program it's a 12 weeks workshop series where you learn everything from piping to financing to taxing to pitching The entire program yeah we can help you with a lot yeah. we, we can teach you we can give you content we have a lot of video tutorials online and i think being a student is the the perfect time of trying things out because your actually main job is to graduate right but you can do some things at the same time why not that is why that is that's a good option and it's for free you have to invest time but that's all they have However, one very important additional challenge, which is they have to learn German. What is your experience with that? How do students deal with it? I can maybe give you one, one example. If you apply for the Gründerstipendium, it's a, it's a funding program here in, 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 our, in our state, specifically for students from universities in NRW. Um, most of the pitches are actually held in German or need to be done in, in, in German language, which is a big problem, obviously. There is, I think, one one spot in Düsseldorf or in Cologne, I think, where they can go and they can uh, pitch in English. But that structure is still for Germans, It's right? And that is maybe one challenge. The second challenge is that 
trying to build a German company in Germany, you have to follow German rules. And even the Germans don't understand all German rules. This is really hard. And that is really challenging. They need to know someone, a colleague, I don't know, from the study degree may, maybe, who could then do the translation work. If they find someone or a fellow student who maybe joins the team, that, that would be even better. And we had good examples where there was a German student in their team plus international students, and that system worked quite nicely. Um, I don't know how hard learning German is because I grew up learning it, right? Uh, but I can see if you are from the US or England or I don't know, learning German is difficult, yes. What I, what I experienced is that there is a lot of students who have grouped in kind of teams, in international teams, And the students who work in a lab, for instance, in one of the fab labs, for instance, we have, or working on a project at the university, they learn German way faster than students who are not in those groups. And maybe that helps. If you really aim to learn the German language, maybe go into one of those projects and, and contribute. Um, makes it easier for you to learn German. According to some... Startups play an important role because they are very important for innovation and more than maybe even a traditional company. Is that something that you would recognize as well, that startups are more innovative than traditional companies? No, by definition, a startup is a very risky business. That is why you have to find investors who actually bet whether or not that company will be successful. Usually investors just invest in maybe 10 companies and they know that maybe one is successful. So they compensate that. They have to get the money from that one successful business. That is why maybe startups are more, they actually take more risk in what they are doing. And I think the people who work there are younger than in, in established companies. Not always. But I think that's the, the case. Startups are a little bit quicker in what they're doing. They can adapt to maybe the changing market. But because they have that very risky business, and I think you have to be a, a startup person to fit into those concepts, I think. Whether or not big companies cannot be innovative, no, they are. They, they still are. But they always have that challenge that the last 30 years of research need to be used for the next product, right? They are really facing the problem. They cannot just delete what the people did in the last two decades. Yeah. They, they are always adding one, one more feature, one more feature, but it's harder for them to actually remove an entire set of things and start from scratch. And a startup is, ex is actually doing that on purpose. They may be seeing it from a different perspective. Maybe they are just combining two things that exist into one new product. So from the innovation point of view, I think the startups in their very limited field, what they do, they are more innovative than bigger companies. But I think the bigger companies, they have more power on the market because they exist already, they are established. And the people who work there have more experience, obviously. So it's hard to to answer that question, I think. So startups do not always have better ideas, but they can be more risky. Because it's not their money. It's the investor's money. I think the, the more money the research department at that company X 
is being provided, the, the better they can innovate, I think, and the more freedom they have to actually try out things. I think nowadays there's the big companies who actually set up their own programs to actually, in their own companies, have startups that are completely free. They are not uh, contributing to the daily things. They just are paid for being crazy and have crazy ideas and trying things up or out. But that's, I think, only with the big companies. And I think they understood that they have to do it. Also to get that that young students with the new backgrounds, with the new skills that they have. Yeah. I think what they, for instance, are looking for is exactly what the university here is providing, namely students who had degrees, who are combined, who actually know a lot in A and B, not only A. So what was the one thing you learned about innovation from starting in Kamp-Limford until now? What was like the one lesson, takeaway you have about innovation? For me, it would be that the solutions are close to us uh, more than we think. We welcome back Daniela and Philip. Of course, a lot of work came out of that, but it didn't need to be anything crazy or anything extravagant. And sometimes the, the smaller and more simple things are the ones that can make a bigger impact. I would say if you elaborate the user needs, if you have gotten feedback that people really would need such a product and you have like proof of that, or, yeah, then just keep going, don't give up. There are hard times, yes, but if you have the market, if you have the users, they are waiting for this, then it's worth the, the effort. And it basically is the biggest motivation to continue and to, yeah, to believe on your own idea and keep going. Yeah, perfect. Because you said if you want to add something. Yeah, of course. I would like to thank all to the professors of our master's study, Ability Engineering. Also big thank to Adriana, who was our coach uh, during that time, who yeah, helped us and motivated us. And of course, to all the support we got from physiotherapists, from patients, from family and friends, and all the network. And yeah, we are continuing the story of art love. We are always looking for supporters like patients or like doctors, physiotherapists who support us, who give like their knowledge, their expertise. And you just forgot to thank to the most important person, <laughs> Your mom. to my mom, to inspire all this project and beautiful idea. Thank you for listening to the How to Hochschule podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and feel free to follow us and recommend us to your friends. If you have any thoughts or suggestions or just want to let us know how you liked the episode, please don't hesitate. Take courage and do reach out to us at podcast at hsrw.eu. We are always looking for ways to improve and we appreciate your feedback. Also be sure to check out our show notes and links and more information on today's topics and guests. 
Tune in next time as we finish this season with an epic four-part special where we spend 24 hours at Hochschule Rheinball, one of the most international universities in Germany. Thank you very much for joining us. This is the Hauptschule Podcast. We are looking forward to having you back next time. Tschüss.